Good morning. It's my privilege to be here. My name is Frank Matthews. I am a former pastor at Sycamore Presbyterian Church, as many of you know, and I know many of you. And I am currently serving here in Richmond under the James River Presbytery and serving for our state as a Hispanic ministry developer. And it really means I do two, trying to do two things. One is to help our current churches think about how we might reach our Hispanic neighbors, and two is to help train men and women who want to be trained in Spanish uh, theologically and for ministry. And so over the past three years, I've been working on uh, that ministry, and I'll give you an update in just a minute, uh, but it is my privilege to be here with each one of you, and I'm excited to bring God's Word to you this morning. A brief update on my family. They're all sending their hellos, and um, would love to see you. Um, Suzanne and Joshua and Micah and Aaron and Elise and Tierra um, are all doing well. It's been a busy summer, uh, and this fall we'll be looking to head back to six different schools, uh, seeing if they all open. Um, but uh, Suzanne is transitioning to Bonaire Elementary School after serving as a kindergarten teacher for many years, um, and she'll be teaching ESL. Joshua and Michael will head back to college, uh, University of South Carolina and Christopher Newport University for their sophomore years. Aaron will be at Monacan High School, and Elise will be at Midlow Middle, and Tierra will continue at Gordon Elementary, and they all send their hellos to each one of you. Just to give you a brief update on what's been going on uh, in the life of the Hispanic ministry here in Richmond uh, since we have last talked, um, there are currently three Bible studies, uh, one here uh, in churches, one here at Sycamore uh, with the, um, the church that Ambrose Winfrey is working with, the people that he is with. There's another one that has started at Stony Point Prez. Uh, in Bonaire in February and continues to work online and in person at this moment. And then a third will be starting down in Hopewell uh, and a combination of two people working, one, one from West End Prez and one from West Prez as they look to reach different Hispanic people that they have contacts with in the community. So you can be praying for them. We've also had the privilege of working with Trinity Presbyterian up in Charlottesville over the last uh, three, four months. Um, if they've done a, a great outreach um, to the Hispanic community, and I've been helping them um, set up a meeting in Spanish, and I do a Zoom meeting with them on Thursdays to help the population that is there in Charlottesville and to work with that church as they look and see how God is moving and growing that. Uh, Jorge Velasquez continues in his LAMP studies, and we have the possibility of one more student joining us uh, in the coming months, so you can continue to pray for them. And I'm excited that I'm networking with many different uh, people in Florida and Texas and, and other areas that are around the nation to continue to see how we might work together to strengthen um, the PCA's work in the Hispanic world that is here um, in the United States. So I continue to appreciate your prayers for leadership development and for churches that are desiring to reach out to their Latino neighbor. And I would love to talk to you more about that if the opportunity presents itself. So thanks again for having me this morning. I'm excited to conclude your missions month uh, as you've had some wonderful speakers thinking, uh, presenting different subjects and different themes. And so let's go to God's Word this morning as we are on our last Sunday of missions month. We will be looking at some verses found in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through chapter 10, verses 2, 1 and 2. And so this is God's word for you and for me this morning as we come focusing on missions and God who is on a mission. It says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities 
in the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he being Jesus, he had compassion for them, because they had been harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out labor, to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to them his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits and cast them out to heal every disease and affliction. And he sent them on their way. Let's pray. Father, it's good to be in your house this morning. It's good to focus on your word. It's good to be in the communion of believers and fellowship. Lord, it's good to hear your word and be reminded that you are a God who is building his kingdom. Lord, you are not afforded by COVID-19. You're not quarantined. Lord, but you continue to move. You continue to grow. You continue to bless your people. Lord, open our hearts, hearts our minds, our ears, um, Lord, to think and to dwell on your word, that how we might know you better as our God, Lord, and how we might understand more how you call us into your service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It's been interesting and fun for me to watch um, and listen to and read uh, the other sermons from the month, and I know that Marty brought a sermon uh, concerning the Good Samaritan and how uh, we are called to reach out into the community. I know that Ambrose preached upon the reality of we never retire from teaching and preaching the gospel. We do not lay down this work that God puts before us, and he has those good works for us to preach the gospel in all seasons of life. And I know you had Leonard Liu last week who was here and, and read through your verses and your vision on the church, what Sycamore is about, what they're trying to do, what God has called them to do, and how MTW might be a partner, how you might work together. I want to focus on these verses this morning, building off of those three and trying to bring them together and work together that we are called to be a people and a church on a mission. A people and a church on a mission, and that's God's mission for working in his kingdom. And so we talked about, and I've had fun reading, one of the things I enjoy doing is reading the updates that you get via your missionaries and online looking at their websites and as you look at um, several of the ones, and I hope you've been able to do that as well, and I, it's a great way if you have kids, uh, is to, to expose them to missions, is take time to read through some of those. Tell them what's going on in different parts of the world, how God is moving. And then take time to pray, because then suddenly missions become alive. Uh, one of the fun uh, times I've had with my kids in my life is they heard a missionary who who was putting in a water system in Uganda, and how he went and, and with a crew of guys, and, and they were going to bring water to the city, but how they had to go under the waterfall, and how he almost fell, and all this was for the kingdom of God, to how God might practically provide water for this, for this town that was in Africa and Uganda. And so as we look at this idea, and we've read these passages, and hopefully you have read your updates uh, and your challenges through that have come out as well from the office one of the things that one of the common themes you will find that is in all the missions is people are looking for disciples and leaders to come to train and make new disciples. MTW has their 1% movement that 1% of the church, each church in the PCA would be able to send one missionary or 1% of their congregation. Africa to Africa, led by Jeff Borden, one of the missionaries you 
support is if you go to their website, you see Jeff's picture, but you also see a picture of different leaders in different parts of Africa who are taking the material that Africa to Africa has, and then they're setting up and training new leaders as well. And then equipping leaders international, again, the, sa the same model, the same idea, similar in, in ways as they have um, many pastors from the PCA and some others who go to other countries, are partnering with people in, all around the world, in Africa and Central America and South, Amaf uh, South America and in Asia, and they'll find a local pastor or a local leader, and they'll help organize a conference, and they'll teach the conference, but then that material be reproduced and taught by the locals there. So there's this idea of raising up new disciples, a church and a people on a mission to make new disciples. And so as we, as we look at this passage, I'll tell you of, of one more family, a friend of mine who served with us in Peru. Their last name is Halberts, and they have three sons in their, group, in their family, and all three are serving on the mission field. One's in Costa Rica teaching uh, at a seminary. One is planting a church in Tegucigalpa, uh, Honduras, and another has been serving in South Africa. And why do I tell you that story? Well, I tell you that story because many times we get excited about missions. And we think about how wonderful it is that God sends people to the other place, somewhere else, or that God's people are serving in these ways. Um, and then where the rub comes, where the, the tension goes, is would we pray for our kids to go there? Because all the Halberts' kids are somewhere else, but their parents are still in Tennessee. Who are we praying for to be that 1% with MTW? How are we praying for new leaders to come out of this church, not only to stay and be in leaders in this church, but also to go to other churches in our local area, in our state, in our country, and around the world? And are we excited about that? Or in our comfort, in our fear of loss, and not knowing how we would exist, do we say, that's great that God's moving that, but uh, not my kids, or ooh, not my elders, or not my leaders? Or isn't that going to be really dangerous? Isn't that going to be hard? Um, and yes, I think those things are real questions, and they're real ones to wrestle with. But what I do find here and what I find in our missions organizations and I find for our churches is that we have a pattern that Jesus calls us to, to be a people and a church on a mission. And that is to raise up new leaders, to disciple new leaders, to pray for new leaders, that the kingdom and the good works that we are called to do may continue as God continues to build his kingdom. And so as we look at this passage, uh, really... Um, we're just going to walk through it, and we're going to hit some highlights and some nuggets that I want you to chew on, and we're going to do it in light of the reality of who we are as a people of God. So I want to start with the idea and the, and the remembrance that we are people of God, saved by God, and who He is, and that is secure, and in His grace we find salvation, and in His grace we find security in Him. And out of that, God calls us to do works. Out of that, God says, this is what I want you to go and do. And so let's look at the highlights of this passage, and then what I want you to realize and think about and chew on as we've done the month of missions is how might this impact my life? How might this impact the life of my family? 
how might it impact how I teach and train? How might it impact how I am taught and trained? And so let's look again, going to the passage. And I'm going to start in the middle. But I want you to start in the middle. And this is a passage probably that you've heard sermons preached on before. But it says in the second part of verse 37, or actually we'll start with the beginning. It says, he, Then he, he being Jesus, said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send, to send out laborers into his harvest. And I'm sure many of you have heard this passage before, the harvest being the people around the world that do not know God. The people in our neighborhoods who do not understand that they have a Christ who loves them. The people in our families who do not understand this message. And so the harvest, the number of people that are out there that need to hear the good news of God and Christ's love is huge. That's the harvest. And then the source this is where I want you to realize as we think about through what God's calling us to do. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. As we look through, and we're going to walk through what God might be calling us to, we have to go back to the source. Who is the one who sends out the laborers? Who is the one who is pricking the hearts and the consciences of, of teenagers, of kids, of adults, of older people? to go and to preach the gospel, to go and make new disciples, to go into the harvest outside of these walls and preach that gospel. And so we're going to stick there, and that's going to be our glue, and that's our foundation. It says in the Psalms, in Psalm 136, and we could repeat that this source is going to be after each point, but that God's steadfast love endures forever. And I think as we walk through these things that God is calling us to do as a people on a mission, as God's church on a mission, that we need to understand that God's love endures in this process forever. And we could repeat that after each point. But let's start there, that we should be praying. Praying intentionally. Who are you praying for out of this church, out of your Sunday school class, out of your community group that God might send? What would name might pop into your mind? doesn't matter if they're two. Well, it would, might matter if they're two if they don't go with their parents. But it doesn't matter if they're young or old. Who are you praying for intentionally that God might raise up and know that the Africa to Africa mission and Elijah House Academy and Hispanic Ministries developers need laborers and disciples who are we praying for, and how might God, who is our provider, provide for those who come in? And so as we walk through this passage, another thing that I do want to highlight is this passage is kind of an overview of Jesus' ministry, what he's been doing up to this point. And so before these passages, both things that he's been doing, Jesus has been walking through, Jesus has already selected and called intentionally, if you go through how the disciples were called, but he's intentionally identified and called people into training. And so as we think of um, disciples to be made, here we have the disciples who have been walking with Jesus. They were intentionally called by name. One of the miracles of Jesus, he would call them by name and, and call them to come and walk with him. Intentionally called and trained. And so as we think of what we might be called to do, and we are called to do as a people on a mission and a church mission, we want us to be praying for those who God will raise up because he is our source. 
Two is we might really need to think about, and we do need to think about, intentionally identifying and calling people who we think God might be leading into this type of ministry. I worked at a summer camp one summer, and one of the uh, directors came up to me near the end of the time of my nine weeks uh, working as a camp counselor, and um, I was 19 or 20, I don't remember exactly, and he said, have you ever thought about going into ministry? Intentionally, he sought me out after he saw characteristics that God was raising up in me. I was not thinking about going into ministry at that time, just to be honest. I've grown up as a pastor's kid and wasn't really interested in it. Um, I know what the church is like, and again, I'm glad to, I was glad to attend, but to lead and be a part of it was a real struggle for me at that time. But as we think about what Jesus has done, he intentionally called and identified people. Who might God press on your heart at some point as you see leadership qualities, as you see a heart for God to say, have you thought about this? Is God leading you in this direction? What would it be like to serve there? Maybe God wants you to go somewhere, to serve in Honduras, to serve in Mexico, to serve in China, to serve in downtown Richmond. Where might God be calling you to? And so one of the things I think we're called to do per Scripture is to look for those who God puts around us. And we might also ask that question internally, is God calling me? to go into this, and how. And so we have a source of God who underlies this. We have an idea and the truth here that Jesus has called and identified 12 disciples, although there were more who were walking with them during this ministry. And then he takes them on this process. And if you look at the disciples' life uh, during the ministry of Jesus, it's messy. There's doubts, there's misunderstanding, there are arguments over who's going to be the greatest. Um, there's misunderstanding about Jesus' life. There's those who deny him in front of others. And Jesus knows this, but he says, I want you to come as I've called you and identified you, and now I want to walk with you together in a process of discipleship. Life on life. Not just sending them to seminary to go and get trained. Not just having them trained in the youth group. But life on life, mentory processing, where Jesus is rubbing shoulders with them all the time. They're serving together. They're learning together. They're processing life together. They're having successes and failures together. They're forgiving and loving each other. Um, They're calling each other's sins out. And so you see Jesus as he begins this process, uh, and a process for us to consider, is he's identified and called people. He has looked to the Father to provide people, and now he's entering into this life-on-life mentoring that would take place over the three years of his public ministry. And so you see this beginning as they're making disciples, and I think it's a great model for us to think about as people on a mission and a church on a mission as we raise up disciples and leaders not only in our own church, but in our communities, young life leaders, um, leaders for uh, other ministries. How do we train people, not just in a classroom, in a learning context, not just in a Bible study, but actually go and serve together, actually confess our sins together, pray together, a mentoring life-on-life process. And then we're going to see how Jesus, as a leader, mentored them. So what did the things that he did that said, this is what I want you to do? And so as we look at the verses that are found here uh, in verse 
35, a really simple phrase. Jesus went out. Jesus went to McDonald's. Jesus went to Chick-fil-A. Jesus went out and walked around the apartment complexes. Jesus went out to the schools. Uh, okay, so he didn't use those illustrations, but he does use those. Jesus went out to all the cities and the villages. Jesus went to Powhatan. Jesus went to, to Petersburg. And, and so he went out. He didn't just hang out here in the four walls of Sycamore Press. He didn't just hang out with those that the church invited into wonderful programs. And I know this church has great things through art camp, through, um, through Bible studies, through different ways they're doing it. And we invite people in, which is wonderful. But the reality is Jesus went out. And he didn't go out alone. And this is where I want to challenge us in our discipleship process is he took the disciples with him. He said, look, I'm going out. You guys are with me. Come on, let's go. And he walked with them, and he talked with them, and they met people together, and they met sick people together, and they went against the culture, and they, they got uh, accused of things, and it was tough at times, and they fed 5,000 plus. And so there's this idea of life on life, but Jesus went out with the idea that he was on a mission, and he took the disciples with them because he was discipling them. And so we look at that and we go, man, maybe that's a challenge for us. I go to church on Sunday. I go to Sunday school. I have my community group. All my friends are Christians because I've been at this church for 20 years or plus, or that's just where I, I've hung out. And, and I don't go out. And when I go to Walmart or I go to Sam's or whatever that may be, maybe I order my groceries right now so I just don't see anybody. Uh, but when I go out, I just hang around in my bubble. Uh, and so really what Jesus is driving at here is Jesus went out to the unbelieving. He didn't just go over and preach at a different PCA church in town. He didn't just go over and teach in uh, another seminary that might be here or online at some other Bible study. He went out and talked and walked in the places where those who don't believe are. And so what did he do when he went out? And so here again, modeling, mentoring in that process is, I'm going to call this the Buenas Noticias and Dirty Hands. Jesus went out and he preached the gospel, the good news, Buenas Noticias. And then he got his hands dirty because he went and healed those who had diseases and afflictions. And so when you think of Jesus going out and he's taking his disciples out, it wasn't just that they were going out to walk around and have a nice stroll around the mines. It wasn't just that they were going out and playing ultimate Frisbee or going to camp and enjoying. And those things are all good. But Jesus went out with a purpose to preach the good news, to share the gospel, to engage those who did not understand the truth and the love of Christ. And so he talked and went out with the purpose of showing that the gospel of the kingdom. And then he also went out to help the people in, his, in those communities. He went out to those who were sick. He went out to those who were hurting. Um, and so we can think about that. What does it look like, and I'll challenge this church as I'll challenge any church, what does it look like to have our leaders intentionally have time in their work schedules to where they go out? And when they go out, they might take their covenant group leaders or they might take a, a, a different leader or a potential leader and say, hey, we're going to go out and serve in our community. Hey, we're going to go out and help Watkins Elementary. Hey, we're going to go out 
and be at the YMCA and volunteer. Hey, we're going to go out and we will be on the campus of John Tyler and we're going to pass out waters and welcome back to schools and um, we want to talk to you and pray for you this semester amid everything that's going out because we know it's hard for you for COVID. What does it look like for the people of this church, for the leadership of this church to go out, but then also take people out with them? That they're discipling and making uh, growing people in their faith. And when we go out, we see that Jesus went out and they preached the gospel and he worked with the people who did not know Christ and those who were sick and those who had problems in this world. And then how did he um, react to them? How do you react to those people who are not like you? How do you react to those who protest things that you don't agree with? How do you react to those who have um, caused oppression? How do we react when somebody comes against us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Twitter? How do we react when anybody has a different opinion than us and we just can't seem to reconcile it? And Jesus goes out and he says, I see the people. He saw the crowds and he has compassion for them. Boy, that's a good, good challenge. How do I view people? I'm really good at judging people. I don't know if you are. Um, sometimes I don't see people at all because I'm just too busy with my own schedule. How do you go out when you go out with a vision for the mission of God, intentionally going out to bless others with his good news and his love whenever you go out? And at the same time, you see them not as an annoyance, not as someone who is hostile to us, not as someone I can't talk to, but an opportunity to love someone who's created in God's image who needs to understand God's love for them. Jesus went out with an attitude of seeing the people, seeing the crowds, and he had compassion on them because they're harassed and helpless, because we know those who don't know Christ, wherever you are with your journey, if you don't know Christ, it's hard for you to understand how much love he has for you. Jesus himself went to the cross. Those who have nailed him to the cross, and he's there dying, and he says, God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How can he say that? How can he have that kind of compassion? Because he knows the love that he has and what separates them from the truth is their sin, and God needs to open their hearts, give them a new heart, and so that they may follow and understand Christ. And so one of our testimonies as we go out and create disciples, as we take along people beside us, as we mentor, as we process life with them, as we share the gospel with them, or as we are in the same process of being mentored maybe, is that we learn to see people with compassion that we learn to long for them to have a relationship with Christ first over judging that we're on different pages about a political stance, over thinking they are so different from me because they come from a different culture or they don't speak a language that I might or it's broken and it's hard to understand, so there's just no way that they could be part of our church. How do we see compassion and openness? Because Jesus went out with the idea of bringing people in. He went out with the idea of training the disciples to see the harvest, to love the harvest, to love the message of Christ, that they might preach it and people would accept that they might come into the family of God. So he sees them with love and compassion. 
And then as you follow through this, it's back to the verses we started with, but I don't mind repeating it because I think it's important. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Pray earnestly, intentionally pray that God would send out people from this church as we look to mentor, as we look to train, as we identify, as we take people out and and walk with them in our communities to share the love of Christ and we take meals to people or we care for people who need help or we cut a yard for someone who can't or whatever that is, however our community needs help or we provide with tutoring or we help with marriages. I don't know what what the needs are exactly right here, but I, I know jobs are there. I know people are struggling with depression from COVID and fear, and whether you have it or not, how do you see them with compassion? And how do we go out and know that God is our source? God is the one who has a steadfast love for us ever and sends us out to do this. And because what we see is interesting, and we see the repetition that goes here, is as we end up this passage, as it says, and he, he being Christ, called to him his 12 disciples. So the disciples have been called, but he calls them in. Hey, guys, we're having a huddle. Come in. We've got the game plan. I know you can't huddle right now. But anyway, they come in together, and they don't just stay in the huddle. They make the game plan. They have the play to carry out. And then what does he do? He gives them the power to go out, the authority over unclean spirits, and to cast them out, and to heal and the diseases. And he sends them out. Do you see the pattern? Jesus went out with the 12. He trained them. He mentored them. He walked with them. He taught them. He shows them compassion. He shows them how to go out to the village and teach and preach. He shows them how to interact with people. He shows them that God is the source. He shows them that they are called to love the people around them that they might understand the love of Christ. And then he comes to the 12 and says, Hey, I've done this with you. Three years we've done this. Now I want you to go. Go. Go out. It's the bird and the nest, the mom and dad. They kick them out because they won't go by themselves. But he sends them out, but he doesn't send them out by themselves. You see here it says, he gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. Brothers and sisters, as we look to raise up the generation to come, as we are called to be disciples and trainers ourselves, we don't do it by ourselves. We know in Matthew 8, 28, 18, it says that Jesus, who's authority over all things, what does he go? Does he say he sits back and hopes you have a good, good life and good luck? No, he says, I, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We don't go out alone. We know that Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit, one who is a helper who goes with us, who empowers us. So when we struggle with compassion, when we struggle with seeing people, when we can't have the the conversations we want, that Jesus says, no, I'm I'm going with you. I'm still with you in this discipleship because we know that the one who gave us our faith is the one who is continuing to work it out until Christ returns. And so as we look at Missions Month and we've highlighted MTW and and you've had the idea that we're never retired from preaching the gospel and the gospel is not on quarantine and, and Marty preached about the Good Samaritan, and what does it look like in our community? What are the needs? Here's a plan. Here's a mission that we are a people on a mission prepared for do good works that God prepared beforehand. And we are a church, a church of Sycamore and a church broader that are called to do these things. There are some action steps. There's some training that needs to look at. 
Acknowledging God as our source, always. Looking and identifying who might be being, I need to challenge to be called into this. Who might be challenging me? How do I need to grow in my discipleship? Who could I mentor? Who could I intentionally walk with, serve with, pray with, that they may become a leader and a disciple? How would we go out? If you're surrounded by all Christians now in every part of your life, I would challenge you to go out. Find a place where you're not surrounded by just believers. Where is it you can connect with the community? You don't have to go far. And then as you get to know people, as you get to interact with people, as you get to hear how they might be struggling during these times, whether it's with job, whether it's sickness, with maybe people that they've lost the virus, how might you share with them the hope you have? How might that continue after the virus is gone and there's another challenge? How might we get our hands dirty as Jesus did to care for those? How might we provide meals? How might we help with education this fall as schools are a bit changed at the moment depending on what happens? How might God be sending us out? But the reality is he is sending us out. Just as he sent out the disciples, he went out and then sends out the disciples, not alone, but with them. And how might that be our mission? The mission is the church to provide that 1% for MTW. The mission is the church to raise up disciples who will grow and serve him. The mission of the church and its members to see the next generation for the future, but also see those who are here now continue to grow in the mission of Christ. Let's pray. Father, it's a great challenge, and we need to be challenged. I think many times we rest on our sins of comfort and safety and security, and we know that going out and loving people at times can be very challenging. It causes us to see our sins of fear, our, our sins of not wanting to serve. Um, and Father, it puts the gospel in a less than position than what you call us to. So Lord, we pray. We know that we are held by you. We know that we are secure, secure in our salvation. But we pray that you would challenge us. Challenge us in the same way that Christ challenged his disciples. Challenge us to look to how we might help make new disciples as we are being discipled ourselves by Christ. Lord, help us to be intentional as life will sweep up our time and we will tend to forget this whole process. Help us to pray for who you will send out. Help us to pray for how he might change us and make us part of the process intentionally as he did his disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.